1: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast here with Benji as always. This show is supported by Lacol for the recaps of, quickly, stages three and then four of Tour de Pologne and the ladies' tour of Norway, stage one. It's a complete file on podcast players and then we release them as separate videos on YouTube. So if you want to get, say, with our to preview, we get them up on podcast players the Mega Transfers podcast much quicker but just to recap stage three of Tour de Polonia, which we missed yesterday because of that World Tour preview, uh, it was a sprint stage 226 kilometers Crazy. long. Crazy. So long for a one week stage race. And uh, Fernando Gaviria got his first win, first World Tour win in quite a while, beating Olaf Coy. Bauhaus got blocked. It was a German lockout 3 4 5. Bauhaus, Kanter, Volscheid, Jonas Rickard sixth. Hofstetter, then Schwarzmann, Kwiatkowski, and Degenkolb. 10th so four five Germans in the top 10. Gaviria, yeah it's good to see him back winning uh he's like one of the only people in the world that supposedly had had COVID twice in the space of like six months poor guy he's had a rough time of it he's out of contract um I probably still wouldn't be looking at giving him big money despite this win uh it's not the strongest sprint competition but Olaf Koi Benji you got a bit of a file on him you keep files on these uh, yeah. Benelux talents. Can you maybe tell people who this lad is?
0: Yeah, I checked in my locker and there was a file on Olaf Koi. So <laughs> let me read it out for you. Last year, he uh, started off at Yumbo um, development team, he was still, and he was riding in small races, Conti races, but he came from juniors and was directly at the age of 18 destroying competition on Conti level. So when you do that, you've got talent. And together with Decker, they both came from that Jumbo development team and are now present in the Yumbo main team. But the difference between Decker and Koi is that Koi is only 19 right now, and Decker is obviously older at this point, I think 21, 22. And I think Decker is a bit more cobbly and has less of a uh, fierce sprint, while Koi does seem to have a bit more of that accelerative sprint going into an actual sprint. But hey, this year he started off relatively decent in cobble races, but... Into the Hungary was sprinting top fives, and that was behind the likes of an Edward Turns ahead of a Dupont Bauhaus, for example, Jordi Meus. And then you know, okay, this guy has talent. And to come after Gavira here on this stage, almost winning, he came around just in the last corner, which was in the last 150 meters, which is not supposed to happen, but okay. And yeah, it was very close. Gavira just came around in the end, and yeah, a decent lead out. He was brought to the line. to the sprint just before the sprint started and brought perfectly but just not good enough this time around but at the age of 19 you cannot really blame this guy he's got a bright future ahead of him normally so uh looking forward to see what else comes out of this guy
1: definitely one to watch out for onto stage four not too much gc changing changes in stage three i think you'll see might have leapfrogged leapfrog, chonson by the seconds stage four or a mountain test now, not high mountain though. 161 k's long, we have like 5 k's, 3.5 percent, then 4.6 k's, 4 percent. The main climb is a long drag up to Lapshanka. It says 4 k's are 5.3 percent, but really they're climbing for like 15 kilometers plus. It's just shallow gradients. They do a descent and then a kick to the line, one 2 k's at 7.3 percent, it flattens out and then a kick up again. It's not as hard as the finish that I made one the other day, but it's, again, like quite un- – you well, not unique, but it's just different. It's not straight climbing. There's ascents. There's uh, rest periods, and then it kicks up again. It's an interesting finish, the Bukovina Resort, and we had uh, – I know we had a lot of races on today, Benji. I saw your man, Volta was in the break uh, for FDJ, but they were kept on a pretty, pretty tight leash, uh we were, were you even watching the break? Benji's normally on break watch.
0: Okay, yeah, okay. I watched uh, I watched the break a tiny <laughs> bit, a tiny bit okay. I was too busy watching the tour of Denmark where Remco Remko destroyed uh the Danish field basically like crazy work there and yeah, eventually uh also won that stage. Spoilers. But uh we talk about the tour of Poland here and the tour of Poland alone, so let's not talk about it too much. Indeed, falter in the breakaway. And uh, he dropped the breakaway on the first of these two final climbs. And I think in the peloton, we saw both the Koenig and Yui putting in some work. But what I found most intriguing was what happened after the first climb. We had them going into the descent. And obviously, Walter was just caught in that descent. And we saw some moves in the peloton. And it was more that Kavaniak came to the front, started hammering it with Honore. But also, Kirmai went to the front for a bit as well and started hammering it and. Put the entire group on a leash just after the descent, just before the start of the last climb, and then moved back again. So I guess he was doing that for a teammate. I was thinking Urtá, but perhaps Quinton Hermans was also in that group. But then something weird happened. Cavani pays so hard that he had a bit of a gap together with Honoré on the group, and I think that put Almeida on a golden seat. You know, they've got twenty nah, nah, meters. Here, come no. on, come on. Okay.
1: Havana and Honore attacking João Almeida, trying to take the leader's of jersey off him because he's going to UAE next year. It's not a reverse lead out at all. <laughs> that's, how you could, that's how you could spin it. Um, before we get to the finish, measure <laughs> another word our show partner, Lacole. they produce Performance Cycling Apparel. We'll have a discount code for the World Tour Lining. Make sure you check out the Stage 1 podcast for that and some more announcements then as well from Drop, from Lacole. They have a lot going on with Drops Lacole, some announcements for next year, so stay tuned for that. But if you want to check out their kit, it's at www.lecole.com. Dot cc. The link is in the description down below. But as I was saying, yeah, Cavagno attacks on around the wheel. And it's perfect tactics, been, as Benji said. Almeida gets to sit in UAE, a, a thrashing behind, trying to chase back for the Ulysses. Uh, then eventually, Ineos. they've got Kwiatkowski in the seat. They have Gagan Hart pacing for him. But as I, they get, Cavagno basically launches Honoré and he gets onto the flatter section. And he's doing so well. The guy came third at San Sebastian and yeah like it was closer than I thought I thought he was going to be caught really quickly eventually we saw Almeida launch early and what did you see from Almeida Benji I mean we we said he hasn't won before when we were talking about his transfer factually correct he hadn't won before but I saw <laughs> some like savvy vet moves am I imagining that he like yeah, attacked clever. triggered and then waited to someone else to like he baited morridge
0: well he made a bit of a move when Onore was working just ahead of him and it was not that crazy but it was enough to trigger Mohoric indeed into taking the inside because Almeida went wide allowing the inside of a a very very marginal corner to the line and Mohoric went into that inside and Almeida just said okay I'm on the wheel and this is what's interesting because this shows the different type of sprints these two have. Mohoric is a type of rider that needs 100 meters of just running towards his sprint to get to a decent sprint speed, while Almeida has that trigger acceleration to get to that speed and jump on a wheel like that. And the problem for Mohoric is that on this kind of finish, it's going to be very difficult to use his kind of sprint, the 100 meter run into a proper sprint speed and then keeping it up to the line. And that is basically leaving a lead out for Almeida here. And uh, yeah
1: it's easy for him he even he could have come past Morridge earlier but there was a slight left-hand bend and he basically edged out to make anyone that wanted to come past him go even wider he sprinted got up to speed and then with 50 meters left it's like time to cook him and beat Morridge by over a bike length i think i made it for his second win in a matter of two days. So So, typical.
0: Like (laughs) one win and the floodgates open (laughs) (laughs) every time.
1: Also having like a stage finish that suits him perfectly kind of helps too as well. (laughs) Here's the final top 10. Almeida first. Morich second. He's still crazy level. Then Drame third. Kwiatkowski fourth. Dion Smith fifth. Hindley sixth. Then Tullet on Alps and Phoenix. Young British guy. Watch out for him. He did well at Flesh. Seventh. Diego Ulysses eighth. Uh, kind of surprised I thought Ulysses he he would do better. Frankly, to bury ninth, and then Kuntan Hermans and Garmay were tenth and eleventh. So I think, yeah, Intermarche had like three guys doing quite well: Rota, Hermans, and Garmay. But they didn't really pick one of them. It seems to me. In terms of GC, Almeida extends his lead. He's now got eight seconds on Morich. Julie frogs back over Ulysses, who's down on third, six seconds behind Morich. Kviakovski's on twenty-one. Hindley's up to fifth on thirty-two seconds, same time as Turns. Rota, Aliotti, Aina Rubio, and then Wellens, Tim Wellens, he's not German. Uh, tenth. <laughs> the question I have for you, Benji, is Dylan yeah. still in turns, still the Belgian whisperer. I would have thought these finishes would be suiting him and Morich would be leading him out. That even sort of looked like the plan the other day on the first stage. I
0: yeah, it certainly looked like the plan because Moric was working for him simple as that on the uh, previous stage because he was also he was also working before the climb started when Almeida won his first stage. So it wasn't only on the final climb, and to still come within that margin that day means that you're much stronger than turns right now. And turns seems to have evolved a bit in the sense that I swear Polonia, I don't know, like four, five years ago, Zabze or whatever that finishes with the steep finish uh, that they had in the Tour of Polonia back in the day. Well, Turns won that stage if I recall correctly, at least once. And those kind of finishes certainly fit him. And I think this is just not steep enough because he's the guy with steep percentages being an advantage to him. But he doesn't have the acceleration compared to an Almeida here. And Almeida is just better. And the gradients, I think, are just not high enough for a Turns to be better. But I don't think that Turns is in an excellent four meter, to be honest. But I do want to add that for GC. It might not look like it right now, but there's a guy that is currently sitting in 20 that is so jumping into the top five or top seven or something uh, when the time trial happens on stage six. That's Tiberi, the guy that you mentioned top ten today, I think, ninth. Yeah. He's got an actual time trial. He's a guy that in the UAE Tour had that odd crash. Oh, yeah. Over the line. He's a, a decent T tier genuinely, and he can jump into the top ten in GC definitely after stage six. But there's a few stages beforehand, though, that he needs to conquer first.
1: Before I do the preview of Stage 5, I just want to – Benji and I, we already mentioned this on the Almeida transfer recap and then in our Bora transfer recap uh, that I'd rather have one Joao Almeida than Hindley, Calderman Buchman and Vlasov. That's my view. I'd rather have one guy who yep. can can win races, has punch, has the prospects of making being a superstar, has TT, almost looks like the full package, just got a finesse, the consistency, et cetera than guys with problems with the TT and not so much punch. And when you don't have the punch, you don't have the TT and you're not that consistent either. Like Hindley, you've got to be a damn good climber to be consistently winning at World Tour level uh, in stage races on GC. So looking good for Almeida. I'm sure UAE. I know they're not, I guess, happy with how this week's gone for themselves personally, but they're, uh, they're pretty <laughs> happy. <go> on. <laughs> they're pre- the guy they just gave a five-year contract to is looking pretty fresh, although it is, you know not the strongest start list still good tomorrow stage stage five another interesting like classic tour of poland stage 173 k's and it's rolly medium mountain or light medium mountain frankly five k's five percent three k's six percent but with steeper sections in there as well it's not all regular gradients and then they finish with a looks like a remco Avenue. every year of course doesn't it every year they
0: finish here (laughs) I think Carapaz won here in 2020. I think Kwiatkowski won here in 2018, if I recall correctly. Uh, uh, Mezgetch won a sprint here as well, because it's usually a sprint of like a group going up to this. And it's usually the people that do have that acceleration still, but also the length, because this finish is harder than it looks. It's, It's a really proper hill sprint, and it just keeps going and keeps going until the line. So... Wouldn't surprise me if Almeida's in the top three here. I be. would kinda yeah. The thing is, like, this is the kind of finish where holding on matters. And I think Mohoric's issue so far has been that he has been forced into sprints, well, today, where it wasn't a lengthy sprint. That is gonna be a lengthy sprint tomorrow. I think Mohoric might fit just as much as Almeida tomorrow, but I could prove proven to be wrong.
1: Dion Smith, a decent result today on a harder yeah. climb. I feel like Dion Smith should be really looking at a top three tomorrow. Good call. Morich, Almeida, of course. I feel like Quickstep might play the Honoré card again. Honoré, good of course. I. Well, a good I might, you, well, I think they should ride for him. He's quicker in terms of top speed than Hermanns and Rota. I think Lerota is a better climber. But, yeah, it's not so long to finish. I definitely think... Quickstep will play the Cavagna Honoré card again on those rolling climbs. The succession yeah. of four, uh, but an interesting stage again, not a long stage. And uh, I think I don't see Almeida losing the Jake jersey Stewart?
0: tomorrow because he was on nine seconds today. True, yeah, was he nine? Aldani seconds? as well on nine seconds. It was like two sprinters, so did can I get over those hills. Okay,
1: I prefer Aldani. Aina um, Rubio is quite punchy. I think Gonzalo Serrano of Movistar had brought him. But I'm not sure if he's here. He would have been very, very nice on this finish. But yeah, it's, it's one of those interesting finishes where. What about Ankhor and Benji for Yumbo?
0: On paper, I'd say yes. But the thing is, I want to name someone else right now that is having a wonderful last year, basically. I think he got. Top 40 at La Flèche last year wasn't that perfect, but he started this year with 12th in La Flèche, 17th in Amstel. Those are good results. Seventh today, and he's 19. Ben Thollett, British guy, keeps on performing really well on hilly park goals, and he's going to be a guy for the Hill Classics in the in the future if he keeps going, because everybody's talking about Pitcock and so forth, but this guy is doing some magical stuff at a young age.
1: It's funny that Alpes and Phoenix, their Belgian Classics pro conti team, and I don't know whether they got great scouting or it's just luck. They've like walked into Ben Tullett, Jay Vine, and Tobias Bayer. <laughs> they got three like <laughs> three really good like G C climbing Arden prospects. Uh, maybe it's not luck. But yeah, he's not got a contract for next year on paper, but he you really should. This guy's yeah, this guy's one for the future as I said. But that's all from Tour de Polonia, stage four. We will try and do uh, the stages recaps after each day before the Vuelta starts, but no promises once the Vuelta starts. We might have to combine a couple. But now on to the ladies' tour of Norway, stage one from Halden to a 141.5 kilometers long uh, rolling parkour. We have a climbs of 1k 5%, 1.7k is 3.5%. A nasty uphill drag to the finish. It finished quite late, this race, but a strong start list, in case you don't know. Obviously, Anna McFarlane-Voyton's here. She's also wearing the uh, – couldn't find her, Benji. I don't realize she's in the Women's World Tour leaders jersey. Uh, <laughs> quick women, we have Chloe Hosking, Lippert, Rivera, and uh, I think SD Works sent their – they're giving me Fisher Black and Mulman a chance at leadership. Who else is quick that I'm missing out? Uh, Kear Consani, Valcar were pacing a bit today. But yeah, uh, Ludwig Cavalli, I should mention as well, as well as Mavi Garcia and Sarah Roy. The quick for a stage like today. We had a break, Benji, and I don't know, Christian, Kirsten Faulkner on Team Tibco SVB, which I think is Silicon Valley Bank. Kirsten uh, yep. Faulkner was, I think, uh, worked in maybe corporate finance or investment banking in in uh california but yeah she's now racing for them she was in the break with uh some other strong riders
0: yeah definitely jorgensen Baisman van Gogh and christian and those riders stayed up quite a while because well it was an odd situation watching this race we started watching with a break of five and first of all there was no kilometers to go on the screen at that point for like the first 30 minutes of me watching this race and We had no time gaps, so we were waiting, 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 waiting until at the front of the breakaway, there was this guy with a whiteboard on a motorbike saying the gap was two minutes 20. Fortunately, we knew what the gap was then, and this was ah, still 60K to go or something, and the gap kept expanding to three minutes 30 with 40K to go. And then finally, the gap started slowing down. Well, slow... Closing down, that's the (laughs) corrector. Slowing down is not what I'm looking for here. And the peloton started coming closer and closer. Did you have any view on who was setting up any tempo in in the group behind? Well, I thought, you know,
1: DSN, they got two women for their finish that I really liked in Lippert and Corinne Rivera. But then there's also, they have the Norwegian Suzanne Anderson. She's also fast. She's 23 years old. And, you know, she's 23. She came seventh at world champs in 2017. But, yeah, she never won, but she she is fast. And she's done well at racing last, uh, last month. So maybe I didn't really know who they were going for. I just thought DSM would be very active. And they weren't actually so active, uh, particularly in the latter portion of this race chasing back. The group had split a little bit. Faulkner had gone clear. She's holding 30 seconds, although the gap, like, it, it was 30 seconds at 6Ks that then yep. we saw the right, like we actually saw a visual uh, shot of how close she was and I was like, that's 10 seconds. It actually was 10 seconds. Valkar are pacing really hard. DSM have four riders in the group. I think Hosking had been dropped so she, yep. Trek weren't pacing and it was just Valkar, all Valkar pacing. I was like, what are the other teams doing? Like why is no one chasing fault and yeah do you have an explanation for it benji because i didn't i didn't really have one
0: not really we had a crash earlier in the race but on paper dsm they'd have the numbers and they look to be having the numbers because they had suddenly five riders in a row with i don't know was it four kilometers to go or something when the gap was 25 seconds 20 seconds and well they came to the front one second and then the first rider dropped back and then the other riders had to go around and then they went into a corner where half the peloton basically went down or at least split up because of a crash of 10 riders roughly in a corner and that put the entire race into full chaos honestly like Faulkner still had a proper gap of 15 seconds at that point and this was what 2.5 kilometers to go two kilometers to go so they have to start closing that down quickly and still Volcar had I think Gasparini riding and I think that was Going on for San Gignetti for uh for the sprint of her. And she kept on pacing that. She kept on pacing that. That Volcar rider really well done today, how she's ridden. And she goes off the front and they kinda just look at each other. They don't go to the front. And it's the Australian champion sitting at the front, pacing a bit, but it's it's not like it's not gonna be top tempo, of course. And like Faulkner, she keeps on hammering it, and then we arrive at around 400 meters to go and I'm going to let you lead that in.
1: Well, Faulkner hadn't really looked behind at all. It looks like she's cycling in mud. It's like this uphill drag, but no <laughs> one's really leading out anybody except I think uh, Juliette Labou and Flochi Mackay. They seem to have been saving themselves to do a, an actual proper traditional lead out for, I thought it was going to be Lippard or Rivera. It was actually Suzanne Anderson, as I mentioned. She kicks out of the group. She almost drops her chain as she shifts. You can see she nearly goes to the side. Luckily, there was no crashes. Sprinting after Faulkner, but Faulkner beats her on the line with Anderson coming second. Canyon Schramm had paced a fair bit as well. I think they've done their best in third for Alice Barnes. Cecilio utrop fourth, which shows maybe quite a hard finish, although she has been quick, actually, in the last three months. Femke Marcus, Lucinda Brand, Van Vleuten, five, six, seven, then Roxanne Fournier, Barbara, Barbara Guarishi and Sofia Bertizzolo rounding out the top 10. So just a weird finish where teams weren't really willing to take control. It reminded me a lot of Hans Wevelhelm when Elisa Longoborghini was clear and she was like literally dangling at 10 seconds until the last 300 meters until eventually Jumbo Visma did a huge push. Then no one really had the team to do that here. Maybe the really late crash in that right-hand corner took out some important domestiques. I don't know. And when I look through the finish... I think Lippert and Rivera were quite a way back. Uh, The problem as well with the bike exchange, Sarah Roy, who Benji mentioned, she's their sprinter, so she really didn't seem to have anyone to lead her out at all. So a bit of, I don't know, maybe underestimating Kristen Faulkner, maybe not knowing the time gaps, most likely just a lack of domestiques on a bit of a hard circuit at the end, but And you got some stats on Team Tibco, SVB, who are not Women's World Tour yet. I think uh, you saw some stuff on Twitter about their team.
0: Yeah, credits to Matthew Mitchell, a guy that posts a lot about women's cycling content. And he mentioned that this is actually uh, their first World Tour win since 2018, which is a while, and their second ever. So this is a team that is going to be very happy with a victory like this. And I'm pretty sure you had a number about DSM as well floating around where it's very, very limited when it comes to world tour races, right?
1: Well, zero world tour wins this year for DSM <laughs> <Very limited. laughs> because Giro Rosa is not a world tour yeah. race anymore. They did get a win there with Rivera. They have 11 wins. 10 are from Lorena Vibes. So – or Lorena Vibes. Um She is just a win factory. He <laughs> was like, she is out and out the best women's sprinter. And but yeah, they've only got one outside of her despite having Flochi Mackay, Rivera – lippert um and yeah they were just missing that today and suzanne anderson denied a win i don't think she's ever won a race but she was certainly the strongest today tomorrow's oh sorry go on
0: i think when it comes to like dsm there's a lot of going on in in the media these days with first of all in the men's team with all the riders leaving and so forth and there being interviews with the likes of a chemna not the rider but the person from dsm yeah i know it's pretty difficult because he also wrote there, chemna but um, And also, I think Matt Winston, their Diaz, and they keep talking about cooperation and stuff. So I, I had a bit of a, a giggle when I saw that they weren't cooperating properly before the crash to, uh, to catch this breakaway, to be honest.
1: I think the women's DSM team, from what I've seen, they seem to have pretty good chemistry. Lippitt Lip and Rivera seem to get on really, really well. So I don't, I don't really know how it works, whether two teams, men and women teams, share the same management or whatever. But... Yeah, I mean, if, if you, as an aside, want to check out these interviews, uh, they're pretty hilarious. They're about the men's team, though, um, I think a significant lack of self reflection. But tomorrow's stage, stage two from Askim to Meissen, 145 Ks. They do a lap of the finish line first and then go and do another 8 Ks. There's some 1 K, 6.2% climbs. But in the last 8 Ks, there is this rise of, looks like about a kilometer, kilometer and a half climb. That, Decent gradient. Is that a place for someone like Van Vloren to attack? Probably not. Probably not long and steep enough. So break has a decent chance, particularly if domestiques get dropped once again. And I'll be interested to see who wins. I think, yeah, I think Rivera will be the quickest if she, But it's whether she, um, they can bring back the break. Do you ever pick Benji or you don't know what's going to happen?
0: well i feel like it's most likely going to be a sprint do you think that somebody would dare to go on that tiny hill before the end
1: i mean no not really to be honest like if i guess They should be
0: able to control it right but it, it is like decent like i would love to see someone try at least
1: there's no elisa longer style here to, or sd works to do it i think uh, if i'm FTJ i just pace for cavalli for the sprint if- yeah Hey, SD works the team to do it. Who don't have an out-and-out sprinter. They got strong riders, but no nailed-on sprinter. And Trek will be hoping that uh, Hosking can get over that hill. And they got brand to play if she can't. But anyway, stay tuned for our recaps of Polonia Ladies Tour of Norway tomorrow. And uh, well, thanks to for supporting the podcast. And we'll see you with all of that for your Friday entertainment tomorrow. Ciao.